Hey everyone, and welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 230. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our coverage of Disney Plus Day 2021 and all that was announced and shared by Disney and Marvel Studios, well, mainly the Marvel stuff, during Disney Plus Day 2021. We are also going to talk about a report about reshoots and additional photography for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Before our conversation begins, just want to let you know about Fan Show Plus. That is a, a podcast that is for premium subscribers, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Just hit the link in the show notes. And Fan Show Plus is where we cover additional MCU news and also some things outside the MCU. So there's plenty to cover or stuff to cover from Disney Plus Day 2021 outside of Marvel. So that will be on that will be covered on the next edition of the show. And then make sure you're following us in all those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you are enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to those of you who have already taken the time to share your thoughts. And now, on with our show. How's it going, Paul Herman? I'm actually doing pretty well because uh, I just released my first ever comic book, uh, mini comic book, you could say, uh, last week. So I'm actually doing great, despite many many other people, you know, outside of me, Sean. But I'm I had a great week. So you can well, find on web- look, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, the bar was low, Paul, but you legitimately made the biggest announcement of the week. So I, I, I mean, really, I did. Let's hear it now. I don't want to <laughs> save this for the end of the show because I think it's awesome. <laughs> that you are writing your own comic book. So let's please uh, take some time to tell everybody about it and where they can find yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can find the comic book on uh, Webtoons. Uh, it's, it's called Space Demons. And uh, it's, this is something that I've been working on for a while the last year. And this is kind of like a precursor to a, another project. The artist and I, my, an old friend of mine, uh, Antonio Mendez, we are working on. And we want to kind of start on this little mini comic before we kind of get into the big stuff, which we'll be doing a Kickstarter for eventually sometime next year. And uh, but yeah, it's super exciting. Uh, it's basically about two alien things going at it. And you get to kind of the first six pages are up. And it's I, the art's incredible. I mean, I just I lucked out by having this the most amazing artist, honestly, just who happened to be an old good friend of mine. And we just reconnected and and I'm real, you know, kind of my dreams are coming true of writing comics. You know, I've written like five scripts last year alone. Um, you know, this is something I'm legitimately trying to like make this work. And it's been a blast. I love writing. It's so much fun. So, yeah, check it out. It's on uh, it's on Webtoons, uh, Space Demons. And uh, again, everyone who checks it out, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll be making more announcements on this. So over the next year with hopefully with a, a bigger one that I'm, I'm not quite yet to reveal the what it's about and. Because it's a very uh, emotional project of mine. Sean knows exactly exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. But uh, when a time has come, I will announce it, and it'll be hopefully I'll get support to get it released. Because it's like I said, it's a it's a big deal of mine. If there's if I can only release one comic in my whole life, you know, actually like physical a trade, you know, which I want it to uh, to be, it's got to be this one that I'm doing going to announce later this year. It has to be that, and I'll just work my my tail off to get it done. So anyway, but everyone, thank you so much. Yeah, Space Demons on Webtoons, check it out. Yeah, make sure you do. And congratulations, Paul, seriously, on Thanks, doing that. That is awesome to actually take that step forward. And I just feel privileged to have been, like, you know, for once an insider. Like, I could have scooped that to the Hollywood Reporter <laughs> and been the inside source. 
close to the pro- the right. production or publication of the of the comic book and been like, yeah, this is coming from Paul Herman. Um, oh, but congratulations great. on that. Um, like I said, biggest announcement of the week as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so uh, you could probably tell by the tone of the intro, by the tone that I'm using right now, that we were not all that thrilled about Disney Plus Day. And, you know, truth be told, I, I don't think very many people were all that impressed by Disney Plus Day because it just really wasn't quite what a lot of us expected or hoped for. And it's an expectation that we have. You can always throw it back on us and say the problem was not Disney Plus Day. The problem was our expectations. But these are expectations that have been developed, not just from things that have happened outside of Disney, like Netflix's To Doom event back in September or DC Fandom in October, but even comparing it to Disney's own Disney Investor Day last December, which I think is what a lot of us looked at as kind of the the template for what Disney Plus Day could be, only better, because it certainly had a better name than Disney Investor Day, but it didn't have an overall better presentation. And part of the reason why is because so much of what was shared on Disney Plus Day is information that we already had on Disney Investor Day in December or earlier than that, dating back to D23 Expo 2019 or San Diego Comic-Con 2019. And I want to very quickly draw a, a dividing line here about what it is we're talking about, at least what I'm talking about when I express any disappointment over Disney Plus Day. It's not disappointment over the projects that were announced or re-announced or got new logos, title treatments or whatever. It's not about that. I am excited about all of those projects from Marvel Studios. My criticisms of Disney Plus Day pertain to just the overall presentation, the overall execution of the event based on what I feel like maybe it should have or could have been. And I really don't think as from a marketing and publicity perspective, I mean, look, I could be proven wrong on this. If they added a bunch of new subscribers on Disney Plus Day, although I would say that might have more to do with charging only $1.99, running a promotion where people only pay $1.99 for the first month, that probably moved the needle more than anything that happened on Disney Plus Day. And it wasn't just fans who were disappointed, by the way. Investors were disappointed. The Disney stock price took a hit on Disney Plus Day. You should think that that would be an easy win on Disney Plus Day where you're going to hype up everything that you've got coming to the streaming platform and then or maybe theaters and eventually making their way to the streaming platform. It should be an easy win to have the stock price go up, even if it's just a tick. And then maybe that wears off and it comes back down by the time the market opens or shortly after the market opens on Monday that would have been fine. What you shouldn't have is the stock going down. And there was already some disappointment in Disney's most recent update of only adding 2.1 million subscribers to Disney Plus in the previous quarter. So that was already shaking investor confidence. And then you have a Disney Plus Day presentation that didn't really do anything to provide a confidence boost. But this isn't about stockholders and shareholders. I'm just pointing out their disappointment to say, We were not the only ones as fans if you, like Paul and I, were disappointed by Disney Plus Day and felt like, if I can repeat my own joke from Twitter, because I can't write that many, because as longtime listeners will know, I'm not very funny, Disney Bust Day. So, Paul, (laughs) yeah, I I know I'm not alone here. Yes, yes. Well... 
first of all, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect really. And in retrospect, I should have known better, I guess a little bit because this was, you know, I, I love Disney, the Disney investor day. And I, I almost, I kind of got the two confused because I assumed we're going to, we're going to get something like that because I thought that was a really great, uh, uh, successful, uh, launch to be honest, because I remember leaving work that, that night, uh, Sean, mm -hmm. just buzzing from all the announcements. I mean, I couldn't keep up with them. And I know, I wonder if Disney, for one thing, maybe got nervous about having that many announcements again in one day. I don't know. But for me, I loved it. I couldn't like, I love the fact that I had to catch up and like figure out what was going on. And it's weird because this is like the complete opposite of what happened on Disney Investor Day. It was like barely any announcements. And the biggest problem I felt as far as the execution of the whole day was how they presented it. Yes. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, like how, like why not have a dedicated stream? Like I right. had to start work. It, it, okay. This thing started at six o'clock, which is hilarious too, by the way, 6 a.m. What the hell? But whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, in for Pacific, you know, standard time for us people, I know over there, you know, a little bit later, but whatever, still nine o'clock in the morning. What the hell? So I'm, you know, I'm waiting for, I, I know Star Wars and Marvel are going later on in the day. Like I, I know that, like that's whatever, but I started work around nine o'clock and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when I wake up, well, I'll get up, I'll put the stream on whatever. Oh, wait a minute. There's no stream. It's mm -hmm. literally just on social media. It's a Twitter what? thread. I got to tell you. It was awful. I hated it. They keep refreshing my stupid phone. Mm -hmm. Horrendous. Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense to me. There's there's no logical sense to me that tells that says that like yes, this will make us people come to this and and want to share their no. Like I I hated it. It was all it was horrible and it was hard to keep up. I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, you can criticize DC Fandom for whatever reason you want. And I've, I've liked DC Fandom, admittedly. I, are they perfect? Not even close. But I think they're on the right track. It's, again, it, they're perfecting it every year. And there is lag times in their streams. I get it. And I, I feel it, too. And, yes, you feel like you're, you're, you're just kind of treading water at times. But, like, Disney Investor Day, I keep going back to that great, um, I think, execution of that day, Sean. They didn't have that. It, it was... Yeah. It was ready to go. And I, I that's what you need to do. And I felt like it was shorter, obviously, than, than a DC fandom. DC Van, fandom tries to embrace, like, everything. And I think there's something cool about that. But obviously, and, like, we talked about hype culture, uh, doesn't really like to wait, Sean. So, uh, right. yeah, DC fandom doesn't necessarily tickle that uh, it, uh, itch or, you know, fancy, I should say, uh, for those people. But here's the thing. Uh when you, you used to have a stream, you can dedicate yourself that I could have put on while I worked and I could keep, you know, looking up and seeing what's going on and updates and get excited. No, no, no. I had to like, you know, check my phone. It's asinine what they thought this was a good idea for. It's just, it's crazy to me. I mean, take all the announcements away, like just make it easy to, to ex, you know, access, easily accessible and actually make it like fun for people to watch on a stream. Like that's the future streaming, then stream it on your freaking channel or something and YouTube. God. Why? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Not that Herman was, uh, Paul Herman was at all upset about uh, no! Disney Plus Day. Oh. But I, I agree with you. The presentation is where it was really a letdown. I mean, was there stuff that I really wanted to have be, to just have it be part of Disney Plus Day? Absolutely. I went yeah. through, you could go back a couple epi uh, episodes ago, 
in our feed, and you can hear my Disney Plus Day wish list, most of which went unfulfilled. I think just about all of it went unfulfilled because I was even hoping for like bare minimum. Can we just get release dates or, or a better sense of when we're going to see the shows that we already know about that have been announced for a long time and we just want to know in what range on the calendar we might be able to finally watch them. That was the kind of the bare minimum of what I was looking for out of Disney Plus Day and we just didn't get it. And And I agree with you though that Whatever information they did offer, it wasn't very well organized. And I know it seems like putting it all in Twitter threads, uh, one main one from the Disney Plus Twitter account, and then other ones like for their individual brands, like Marvel Studios had a, a thread of their announcements. And I know on other social channels, they were also sharing those same announcements, but it didn't make it the easiest thing to follow. And it would have been better to have things organized and also it just lacked the it lacked a face. It, it lacked personality. It lacked engagement. Go back to Disney Investor Day and who's telling us about all of these things? Marvel Studios president and chief creative officer, comma Marvel, Kevin Feige, because he's our guy. He's the guy who we want to tell us about these things. And if it's not going to be Kevin Feige, somebody else from Marvel Studios can tell us about all of these things. That's the type of engagement that we want not just faceless tweets. And I get that maybe they didn't want to do a live stream on their YouTube channel and Twitter, Twitch, everywhere that DC fandom had a live stream. I understand that. And if you want to go with the approach of we want the best content to be exclusive to Disney+, Plus, including a presentation that's trying to advertise and sell Disney+, Plus, okay, fine, I, I can... I, I see the point of doing that. I see the appeal of that, of trying to get more people, especially uh, in a week where you're offering a first month for $1.99 to maybe get people to tune in to watch the presentation as well as all the all of the content that you already have there. I understand that part of it, but there still needs to be something else. Like the Marvel Studios 2021 Disney Plus Day special, first off, when it premiered uh, at 8.45 a.m. Pacific time, I couldn't find it on the Disney Plus homepage, whether that was on Apple TV or Roku or my iPhone or my iPad. I couldn't find it. I actually had to search for it on Disney Plus in order to be able to access it. I don't know how long it took for it to actually make it onto the homepage. And, and maybe I was alone in that experience, although from our Discord community, it seems like I, was, I wasn't the only one having trouble finding it. So that wasn't very great. But then also for the announcements, I mean, it was all just edited and cut together. Like there was no check-in from Kevin Feige. There was no check-in from the creators of these series to be part of that hype, like the Expanding the Universe special from the launch of Disney Plus two years ago. It just lacked any sort of personal touch or any sort of human connection within this hype train that is Disney and Marvel Studios and all of that stuff. We just didn't have it. The, the form of engagement, I thought, was very, very insufficient and uncharacteristic of Disney, of Marvel Studios. This is just not what we're used to. And I think that's part of why you see the reaction that you're seeing to this is yeah. just based on the format of the presentation, it left people without all of those warm and fuzzy feelings that we usually have when we get a Marvel presentation. Like Disney Investor Day, there's nothing they can do with digital conventions to match what it feels like to be sitting in Hall H when you have a presentation like the last one in 2019 
getting all those announcements, stars brought out on stage, all of that stuff. You can't match that feeling, but only 6,500 people a year get to feel that feeling. So you sacrifice that in order to be able to reach so many more with a digital presentation. But that doesn't mean it's just an info dump. There has to be a way, you have to curate the information and present it in such a way to really build on that excitement, not just flashing a bunch of logos or tweeting a bunch of logos with very little or, you know, or pretty much no context. I mean, okay, fine. When, so somebody sees a, they see a logo for Echo and they don't know what that is. How do they find out where that is? Hopefully they go check a website to see if they shared whatever little synopsis or whatever little line there was uh, about what that series is. That's too much work. The information should be presented in a way where everybody gets the need to know information as they're watching it through the very first time. So this was not a very well executed event. And I think it might have been received better if they hadn't hyped it three months in advance. This was announced back in August during an investor call. And then we hadn't heard about it for a little while, but then over the past several weeks, there have been different announcements of things that we could anticipate, and they really started kicking things off on Monday to build to Disney Plus Day on Friday, November 12th. And so there was hype going into this, and that's also part of the thing that I think elevated fans' expectations of what they were going to see and what they might learn is because of all the hype around it. If Disney had just not said anything, and then they came out with all of these things as surprises and just made the anniversary Disney Plus Day without really doing a lot of hype in advance, then I think they might have been fine and this might have been received a lot better. But when you hype something, fans are going to have certain expectations. And when they're not met, you know, it's, it's going to be a letdown. And, and as I said, though, it's not like I went into this Regardless of my wish list, and I know number one on my wish list was learning the Fantastic Forecast, I didn't actually think that was going to happen. That's just me saying, if I can wish for anything, and a couple weeks ago I could, this is what I'll put on the list. But the things that would have been fairly minimal that I thought we could expect, the safe bets would have been footage from upcoming Marvel projects, which we got a li very little of, but we got some, more specific release dates, or at least approximate release dates, which we didn't really get outside of Miss Marvel, which is coming out a lot later than we thought it was going to. So that wasn't really all that helpful or all that exciting. And I was also hoping that movies would get to play a part in this. I realized that on the in the synopsis for the Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day special, it only talked about the series for Disney Plus. And so as far as what they announced ahead of time, they delivered on that sort of. But they still should have had movies in there. And that still should have been a surprise to show some footage from Thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That should have been part of it because these movies are still a huge part of Disney+. Plus. Even though they're going to premiere in theaters and be exclusive in theaters for several weeks, they're still going to wind up on Disney+, and play a critical role in selling that, series, in selling that service and building value in that service for consumers. So they should have also been highlighted during Disney Plus Day. It just makes sense to go ahead and do that and to put the effort in. If you're going to hype it three months in advance, then bring in the executives to film something and film a presentation like Feige did for Disney Investor Day 2020. It just makes sense to do that. And if you don't want to put in that effort or spend that money in order to make Disney Plus Day all that it can be, 
then either don't have it or don't hype it. Just let it be a thing that you surprise people with, a small little thing that you surprise people with on the day, and then it's fine. I think that would have worked out better, but to hype it the way that they did and then not deliver isn't really great. And as I said, fans weren't the only ones who were disappointed. And I know it's it's weird to go on this 21-minute rant that we've had about Disney Plus Day because it just reeks of entitled fans thinking they want, yeah. deserve uh, everything. It's not that. It's not that I feel we deserved more on Disney Plus Day or we were entitled to more on Disney Plus Day. But the goal here is to make us excited about spending the money that we're spending on Disney Plus or get people to spend money on Disney Plus who aren't already. And I just don't think Disney Plus Day did enough to really achieve that. So that's where that's where I'm being critical of it. It's not about uh, feeling like they owed us something and didn't deliver they hyped something and got fans to kind of expect some things, and then they really didn't deliver. And also, the effort just wasn't put into it that we normally see for these presentations. I think it's fair to say at least that much. So uh, that's, I mean, that's that's where I'm at, Paul. Like, you can, I'm excited about all these projects <laughs> still. I, no, I'm, I'm not no. any less excited about the MCU than I was prior to Disney Plus Day, but I, I just wanted to be buzzing about it coming out of Disney Plus Day. And, and I agree. Well, and and I also want to say too, with the whole um, fourteen minute thing that was uh, that whatever showcase, whatever the hell you want to <laughs> you call mean it, the the six minute thing followed by uh, that follows eight minutes of recapping. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So whatever. Like I had no idea. I, I had put a tweet out being like, "Yeah, Disney Plus Day. We got a bunch of logos. Sweet." I didn't even know about this I, until um, I tw- I tweeted that out and went, "Oh, it was actually there was actually something." And I went and looked for it. I went, "Wait, what the hell is this?" I fast forwarded. I'm like, "Where's the freaking?" Where was this a recap? What the hell? And then I finally right. got to like a scene from Hawkeye. And I'm like, I don't want to see this yet. I'm gonna see this in like two weeks. Screw this. So I fast forwarded through that. And and then like I got to finally the the the, the best stuff of the whole day, basically. And it was like, okay, which we'll we'll get into that in a second. But I didn't even know about it until well afterwards. It was like I think it was like at eleven o'clock or something. I'm like, okay, maybe it wasn't a complete, complete, complete bust. It was a little bit, but still. Not that great. And it's it's just really disappointing because, like you said, you want to leave buzzing. And there is things to be buzzed about, but there's just not enough to be buzzed about. I think you said it best. It would have been nice to get more confirmation for – we know already know Miss Marvel is being delayed. But give us some more concrete information of when She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion. Give us a little more concrete when to be excited for these projects. But – it feels like Disney's a little bit nervous right now of when they want to release this, which I can understand a little bit, you know, depending on maybe how they want to release f- films in the future and all that stuff. I don't know. And Star Wars and, you know, th- th- there's a bunch of things playing a part of this, but it'd be nice to get a little bit more of an idea of like, hey, spring 2022, who comes Moon Knight or She-Hulk or whatever. But I mean, it, it, it just sucked we didn't get that. And it would have been nice to get a little more hype for like, yeah, I can circle that date and get stoked. But now I'm like, Great, I can just wait for more waiting. But yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it, it's all coming soon. And yeah. I feel like my response to that is coming soon. Like, how soon? Um, any right. any word on how soon we might be able to expect it? Because last time during Disney Investor Day 2020, we were told Miss Marvel would be late 2021. Now it's going to be summer 2022. We don't really know the reason why. Is it because they want to they feel like it just plays better in the summer or they want to have the end of it be closer to by just a few months or so closer to the release of the Marvels in February of 2023? 
or is it because it's not ready? reshoots additional photography or is it the post-production process that seems to be taking longer and I do feel like there is some of that at play here I think that's why and I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt on not providing more specific information because maybe they just can't maybe they don't know when this stuff is, is going to be ready and, and we'll talk about that when we get to some of the footage that we did see from especially Moon Knight and She-Hulk in particular but maybe they they just don't know and and I'll give them credit for that, but if you if you just don't know, then maybe don't hype up a Disney Plus Day event where it feels like we're going to get more information, where fans sort of think that they're going to get more information than you can actually provide at that time. Because it a lot of it felt like you're just retweeting yourself and pretending it's new, uh, because a lot of the stuff had been announced previously, and even stuff that hadn't been officially announced previously were some of the worst known secrets, right? I mean, the Echo series is something that's been reported on for months. And the Agatha House of Harkness series got scooped uh, about a month or so ago. So some of these things that they're new as far as being officially announced. And like, what if season two? Well, that was something the creators were openly talking about a second season, even if Marvel Studios hadn't made the news completely official so there wasn't really a lot there that felt new, but that wasn't as big of a priority to me as just having a better sense of, we're going to see Hawkeye on November 24th, it's going to end on December 22nd, and what will we get after that from Marvel Studios? I know the very next week, we get the Book of Boba Fett, and I'm very excited about that, and I did like the Boba Fett uh, special that they had on Disney Plus for Disney Plus Day, that was fun, so it's not like it was all a bust, but... True, true. What we want to know as fans is how things are going to go, because we all kind of remember what it was like after the initial launch of Disney Plus, where it launched with The Mandalorian, and we were super excited and happy to watch The Mandalorian week by week. But then it ended, and we had to pretty much wait almost the entire year of 2020 to get another high-profile, live-action original series on Disney+, Plus, which was The Mandalorian Season 2. We didn't get any of the Marvel series in 2020, um, and the, other, the only other big thing on there was the last season of The Clone Wars, but on the live-action front, there was that huge gap from Mando Season 1 to Mando Season 2, and now you kind of wonder, are we due for another big gap in the first half of 2022, where we'll finish Hawkeye, we'll finish Mando, and then is Miss Marvel the next thing in the summer? I'm kind of hoping that Moon Knight and She-Hulk, when they say coming soon, that they actually will, one or both of them will arrive prior to Miss Marvel because they were put ahead of Miss Marvel. And in every announcement, whether it was the, the tweeting of the art or it was in the Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day special, the Moon Knight footage and the She-Hulk footage were put ahead of Ms. Marvel. The press release has, it starts with, with all the Marvel projects, it starts with Hawkeye, which we, which we know is next, and then it goes to Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel. So is that the order we're getting them? And would that mean that we're getting Moon Knight and She-Hulk in the first half of 2022? Maybe, but I don't know that because they wouldn't tell us if that's actually true. So at best, I could say that's the intention, perhaps, is to put those series out in the first half of 2022, but they don't feel confident enough that they're actually going to do it to be able to tell us that that's what's going to happen. So it's hard to have confidence in when we're going to see some of these things. And my 
frustration over not knowing more about it. Again, it's not about entitlement. It's not about feeling like we deserve this. But if you're going to provide an update, it helps to provide, you know, an update. And <laughs> I, I get that the the synopsis for the Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day special was saying it was celebrating Marvel Studios on Disney Plus past, present, and future. So I knew there would be some attention paid to the series that have already been announced. But Eight minutes, or I think it was just a little under, like 750, uh, but eight minutes of recapping? That's, no. Uh, it should have been, you could have put in those recaps. Uh, that, that part should have moved a little quicker, even though you are just recapping, but um, that part could have been a little shorter and more time and attention given to the new stuff to get us very excited. And I, I kind of agreed with you about the Hawkeye clip. I didn't skip it. I watched it, and I enjoyed it, but I also felt like, why now? This series is so, so close that, uh, and I think everybody who's excited about Hawkeye, they're already subscribed to Disney Plus, and I know you want to provide a hook, although if you're able to access that clip, you already you have to already be subscribed to Disney Plus or be mm-hmm. bumming somebody else's login, but uh, you <laughs> have to be doing something, right? Or you, you have to be able to have that access, so I'm not really sure what the full... I know the intent of that was to get people excited about Hawkeye. I think people already are and what people and they know that they're about to see that. What they want to see is what's on the other side of that. And that's what they normally get some information. That's that's what we normally get in these types of presentations. They're not generally about here's the thing that's coming out in two weeks. It's usually more of here's what's on the way over the next couple of years. And I didn't have an expectation that they would announce a ton of of new projects because they've already announced so much. They're already we're already still a couple years into the future as far as Marvel Studios announcements are concerned. So I'm totally fine with the idea of not putting a whole uh, a whole host of new projects on the slate. That's okay, but for the ones we already know about, need more new information than they were able to deliver on or were willing to deliver on Disney Plus Day. But uh, Paul, let's go ahead and let's actually start talking about what they did show us on Disney Plus Day. Half hour into this show, um, (laughs) we can stop ranting and maybe you just skip to this part, which is fair. So let's talk about, let's start with Hawkeye as they did when they finally started showing footage from upcoming stuff on that Marvel Studios 2021 (laughs) Disney Plus Day special. Uh, You didn't watch it and I don't blame you for wanting to skip it. I I liked the clip that they showed. The action was great, and I, I really like what Haley Steinfeld is doing as Kate Bishop and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. This is, I, I think, I know it's a low bar for Paul, but I like a lot of what Jeremy Renner's done in the MCU, and this looks like some of his best stuff uh, that he's been able to deliver. And, and really, it's just the benefit of, I don't know, getting some time, <laughs> getting some attention to be and getting a story that's actually built around him, which never happened in the movies. So I'm excited about that. And uh, as I said, Kate Bishop, uh, as played by Haley Steinfeld, just looks perfect in that role and just the tone of the performance, everything about it just seems to be spot on. And I'm just really looking forward to watching the first two episodes on uh, November 24th. And then I'm I'm happy to announce right now that our uh, Hawkeye spoiler reviews are coming soon. Yes, that's going to be very, very exciting. I And listen, my critiques of Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye and the MCU as a whole aside, I'm very excited about the series. I'm super, super stoked. So this is – there's no reason for me to watch this clip. I'm, they already have me, me excited. I'm really intrigued how they're going to include, you know – echo in the series and how it's all going to, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the series that I'm, I'm really intrigued from a, 
again, we had the cosmic level from like the Eternals and all that stuff. But I feel like Hawkeye and uh, this Hawkeye series could be kind of establishing a new underground, you know, more uh, street level uh, kind of status quo and, and reorganizing it and opening that world up, if you will. So I'm really excited what this could do from from that uh, perspective. And, and and I think that Kate, um, uh, Haley Stein, is it same same? Oh, yeah, God, Haley so Steinfeld. Bad. Steinfeld. Um, she looks great at Kate Bishop. I can't wait to see her with Jeremy Renner. And I, again, I like Jeremy Renner. This could be a good, you know, this role of mentor actually would fit the characterization of this MCU version because he's a father. So it makes it kind of adds up a little bit. And there is that there is something interesting there, even though I don't love this characterization completely early on in the MCU. It's definitely uh, softened the blow because of Endgame and, and, and everything. So I, I I'm more in tune with Hawkeye now, but still not a giant fan. But I'm 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 ex- I'm more accepted of him at this point than anything. But yeah, I'm excited for Hawkeye nonetheless. As am I, and uh, it's not just coming soon. We'll actually have those spoiler reviews out when the the show is out, oh, yeah. or within days of the yep. show being out. Yes. Now let's go to Moon Knight, which hopefully is next on Disney Plus from Marvel Studios, and it's not after Miss Marvel because that means no live action Marvel Studios on Disney Plus in the first half of 2022, unless it's going to be She Hulk. Uh, so hopefully Moon Knight is next. We just don't know, but it was next in the Marvel Studios 2021 Disney Plus Day special. So uh, here is the synopsis that we got in addition to the footage, um, and hopefully you were going to a, a website that was giving you that information. Um, get a first look at Moon Knight, a new globetrotting action-adventure series featuring a complex vigilante who suffers from dissociative identity disorder. The multiple identities who live inside him find themselves thrust into a deadly war of the gods against the backdrop of modern and ancient Egypt. Moon Knight is directed by executive producer Mohamed Diab. Jeremy Slater is the head writer. This series is coming to Disney+. Plus in 2022 when in 2022 we don't know but we did get some footage here and uh, we see uh, oscar isaac as mark specter or one of the personalities of moon Knight, multiple personalities of moon Knight, and talking about how he's not really knowing the difference between his conscious mind his waking mind and when he's dreaming so he's losing some sort of touch uh, with reality most likely via his dissociative identity disorder but uh, it, it wasn't a lot Paul, but I liked what we mm. saw, and I liked that we got uh, flashes of like an honest to goodness Moon Knight costume. Only flashes mm-hmm. of it, but we saw it, so um, oh, yeah. a little bit of it would have loved more, obviously. Yeah, but right, I, right. I, what we saw looked exciting. There's, man, I could, I really could spend a long time on this, this little bit because I'm a huge Moon Knight fan, a huge Moon Knight fan, and I, I'm really excited that we're finally getting. Um, an MCU Moon Knight. It's kind of crazy to me that we're getting a legit Moon Knight uh, series as far as the whole, you know, mental illness, you know, multiple personalities. It really, you already get a feel for this, that this is like, in the short little second, like Oscar, uh, Oscar Isaac is playing multiple versions of these characters. And, like the fact that, you know, he walks, you know, you get the impression anyway from the trailer, the little like two seconds we get that he walks into like a moon Knight beating the crap out of somebody like, so it's like, you know, I like I like that already that he doesn't maybe we're getting the idea that he doesn't even realize he is moon Knight maybe at this point, which is really interesting um, or, or what that means. That's kind of what I, the impression that I get. And 
you know, there's there's a lot of different characterizations and versions of Moon Knight and where you could take this. And I like the fact that the the one thing you got I'll give Disney and I think Marvel a lot of credit for is they're not they didn't show us like this is going to be a toned down version of Moon Knight. You that that one scene of it just just really dark and looks really violent and everything and he's just beating the crap and he's just and you know relentlessly punching something, you know I'm assuming a person, uh like you know all that is just showing you that this is not going to be a toned down version for Disney plus. This is going to be a, a true blue moon Knight story mm -hmm. that you're kind of used to in the comic books. And, and I, again, I, I'll make this very clear. I've been very, I've, I've praised Disney and Marvel for and Disney plus for showing us um, these TV series and not going away from a more serious, a little more ultra violent and, and, and a little more of a uh, artistic approach for these things. And there, and because again, you think of Disney, I, I well, back in my day, anyway, you think of like, you know, moms taking like, you know, all their kids like, Oh yeah, you know, this is all super, super, super family friendly. And like, even though Disney is family friendly, it's Disney plus is a little bit different and it's a little bit more edgier than I think even I would have even expected. And the fact that they're going a true blue style of that, that you, again, that's this 27 seconds we get it shows us is really encouraging. And I made me go, okay, this makes you feel really, really good where they're going. And the little glimpses, if you get in the costume looks fantastic. And I, I, again, the huge costume guy, I'm ready. Like I, I need to see, see this like yesterday, you know, I, I, this will be like my, my Marvel film of the year almost at this point. I mean, I freaking love Moon Knight. So I, I cannot wait the little bit they showed us, Sean. I think it looks good. I, I mean, again, it's 27 seconds, but it gave me enough to really show me that they understand the essence of the character of what that's made it work to last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, you know, cause again, Moon Knight was, they didn't really play off the whole, you know, my, or the you know, the split personality thing, I think until, um, uh, the, uh, the early 2000s or mid 2000s when they, we brought him back for civil war and, um, I uh, forgot the writer's name, but he's a crime novelist and, and David Finch had their run and they can really introduce and really amped up that whole idea of split personalities. And they ran a ran with that. And it's been really fascinating ever since for the most part. So yeah, the little bit we saw, I think it gives us a real good, like idea, honestly, of the, where it's going to go. And I'm, I'm super, super excited for it. Yeah. I think Moon Knight looks great so far as always just, you know, I thought we would get more of Moon Knight. I, I really did. I, I thought that Moon Knight and She-Hulk, both of them would be featured more prominently because... We'll get the She-Hulk. <laughs> well, they already finished... Like, they've already finished principal photography on those series, so you would think they would have uh, just a little bit more that they could show, but uh, apparently not. And, and so we got what we got from Moon Knight, but at least what we got looked pretty great. Now, talking about uh, She-Hulk, let's go through the synopsis that was shared on Disney Plus Day. See Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk slash Jennifer Walters, a lawyer who specializes in superhuman-oriented legal cases. She-Hulk will welcome a host of Marvel characters to the series, including the Hulk, played by Mark Ruffalo, and the Abomination, played by Tim Roth. The new comedy series coming to Disney Plus in 2022 is directed by executive producer Kat Coiro, with Anu Valia also directing. Executive producer Jessica Gao serves as head writer. She-Hulk is, as all of these things are, one of my most anticipated Marvel Studios <laughs> series um, because Tatiana Maslany was not even on my radar for the role of Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, 
wasn't even thinking of her and then just felt like when we got the news that she was in the role, shame on me because I've always thought Tatiana Maslany was really, really great. And the idea of her being in a Marvel series and having something that balances the drama that we often get and have come to expect from Marvel series, but then also with this having a more comedic angle. I mean, they call it a comedy series in the synopsis, and um, but that matches. I mean, that matches Dan Slott's uh, She-Hulk run, the Charles Soule She-Hulk run. So it's not like this is coming from nowhere, and this is Marvel figuring out, how are we going to get people to accept a She-Hulk Disney Plus series? Make it a comedy. It's not that, because the, the source material already supports a more comedic angle for the series. And Tatiana Maslany, I think, is underrated as far as her comedic abilities, because people know her more from Orphan Black and more from drama. But she had a guest spot for a couple episodes on Parks and Rec several years ago, and I thought she was really funny. And I think she actually has a comedy background. Um, and, you know, before she was getting a lot of bigger credits on other shows. So I was already I was really excited about this casting and I've been waiting to see uh, get a glimpse of this series. And we got a little bit of it, right? We got uh, Tatiana Maslany getting to introduce herself as Jennifer Walters and being a lawyer. And then we get a shot from the back of She-Hulk, which uh, definitely needs to be finished because it, it, it can't be based on what we're seeing. Uh, and then we get a shot of Banner as the Hulk, um, which is a little different than what we saw in Shang-Chi. So we'll see where this is in the timeline or maybe Banner is able to go back and forth because we do see him just straight up as Banner in another shot in the series where they go totally 70s Incredible Hulk series vibe, which I really love. That shot's amazing. Yeah. I don't know what it's for, but I got a kick out of that shot. Um, sure. But even I think the, this is why we didn't get very much of She-Hulk. The CG's not ready. They right. they were barely and, and arguably not ready to show what they did show. Because even and it's not just She-Hulk, by the way, because even Professor Hulk or Smart Hulk didn't look nearly as good as he did in Avengers Endgame. So obviously there's still a lot of work being done in post-production on this series. So um, and, and I'm fine with them taking as long as it takes to make sure that that She-Hulk and, and of course, the Hulk that we've already known in the MCU, that they both look as great as they should. Um, but I liked what we got of the series, you know, minus the the CG. Yeah, it, it was funny. I mean, someone tweeted at me and said, I wish we got more than just She-Hulk's legs. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, in general, not just of the show, but just in general. I'm like, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but it, I will say that uh, She-Hulk has always been a character I've loved in like the Avengers and the slot run and the soul run or soul runs. Uh, John Burns run obviously is a, a big, you know, reason why She-Hulk is who she is. You know, she's, she was in the fantastic four. He wrote her character. She was great. Um, but yeah, like this gave me a great tone setting, uh, trailer of showing again, like, like Moon Knight. You get a real indication of like this is gonna be a lot more fun than Moon Knight, you know. It's gonna be a little bit more uh, this kind of fun to watch, and I I keep forgetting that Abomination is gonna be in it, and I'm I'm curious of where you know because it's gonna be a comedy, I agree, but obviously there's gonna be some you know there's gonna be fun like impact or drama in it as well, and I'm curious of how She Hulk is gonna become She Hulk in the first place, you know, and and also. What that means, because one of the things I think that's been really cool over the last, you know, five years is that they've definitely have gone deeper into the psyche of how She-Hulk is a different person than uh, Jennifer Walters and how that, you know, what does that mean? And and she does go between both characters and, and what that could potentially mean for, I think, a show with drama and, and just kind of interact interaction with the different characters. 
and obviously with her, you know, I never seen Orphan Black. I need to. I've heard it's great. Um, I heard she's fantastic. I haven't seen her really in anything, but I think she is just. If that's the case, then again, I'm assuming that's going to happen. You, I think you've picked probably the best actress for it. So I mean, I I'm very much looking forward to a different kind of tone setting and her, you know, going between the two different versions of you know of She Hulk and Jennifer Walters. So yeah, I'm. I'm ready for it. Like I, I keep forgetting that Blonsky's in it. Um, and obviously we're going to be probably setting up even more of the fact that he's coming back in some form of fashion of Thunderbolts, you know, and that's going to be a, a, a big part of this movie. I mean, what's, what's be real too. I mean, you know, uh, Thunderbolt Ross could show up again. I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think they kind of, they, they're going a different direction now at this point, but you never know. I mean, right. Hulk and all that stuff could play a part, but, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about the tone. And again, the strength of Marvel is having different kinds of tones in their, in their films. Like you have a film that's like fantasy, you have science fiction, you have street, you know, now you have, um, a more comedic based stuff, which I think is really great. So I, I'm really excited to see where they go with this kind of different, you know, specific tone of comedy. Uh, and, and again, with Titana too, what's going to be in it. So really excited where this, they're going to take this character and the story. Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see like the whole setup for it. Like, is it the blood transfusion thing that makes her she hole? Right. Yeah. I did think there was like a tiny piece of context that was slipped into this footage, like the interaction between her and Banner, where he was kind of explaining what causes the transformations and mm-hmm. talking about how they're caused by anger and fear. And I wonder, like, have has he already? I mean, obviously, there, there are transformations that are are happening now for Jennifer Walters. That's why they're studying this and trying to figure out what's going on. But I'm also curious, though, like what differences might be brought into this because when Banner says that it's all triggered by anger and fear, well, that's his experience, but is it really the same for Jennifer Walters? And maybe we'll see that there's a different element to it or a completely different angle being taken with the Hulk out type of transformations. Uh, I'm not really sure, but that was the only thing that actually felt like half a scene uh, that we got with uh, Banner trying to help her out. But yeah, the the '70s shot with the two of them at the end, with Ruffalo and Maslany, uh, was just uh, that. That might be my favorite shot from the whole thing, except for maybe the Nick Fury secret invasion shot, which we will talk about. But before we get to that, I mean, there are a few things in front of it. Uh, let's talk about Miss mm-hmm. Marvel. So we know we are not seeing the series. We already knew we weren't going to see it in late 2021, but it's not in early 2022 either. We're going to have to wait until sometime next summer. Hopefully earlier in the summer than later, but who knows. So the synopsis that we have for Miss Marvel. Uh, Miss Marvel introduces Kamala Khan, a 16-year-old Pakistani-American from Jersey City, an aspiring artist, an avid gamer, and voracious fan fiction scribe. She is a huge fan of the Avengers, and one in particular, Captain Marvel. But Kamala has always struggled to find her place in the world. That is until she gets superpowers like the heroes she's always looked up to. Iman Vellani stars as Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, the series is directed by executive producers Adil El Arbi, Bilal Falah, Mira Menon, and Sharmin Obeid Shinoy, with executive producer Bisha K. Ali serving as head writer. Miss Marvel premieres on Disney Plus in summer 2022. This was another one where I thought we would get more footage than we actually got, and I was hoping that we would get a demonstration of Miss Marvel's powers, which we know are going to be presented differently in this series, in the MCU, than they have been in the comic books. And there is the one shot of her kind of running up above everybody and like the reflection that we see in that building. 
but it's not really giving us a true sense of what her powers are going to be in this series. But I will just say that the look of the series, the tone of the series feels very spot on. It feels Mm -hmm. very small, very personal. And when I say small, I'm not referring to the stakes because in the world of 16-year-olds, the stakes are huge all the time. So, and we can all think back on that and, and relate to that. It's not really hard for those of for those of us who are older to slip back into that mode and, and understand what that's like. And then, of course, many things about Kamala's experience that we wouldn't necessarily relate to or have direct experience with. But I think everything about this just, it feels so right for what, what made those comic books or what have made those comic books mm-hmm. special for several years is just the way the story just captures her, her family, everything about it. Um, it's there's so it's such a di- it was always such a different book, and I feel like mm-hmm. they've really we haven't seen very much, but what we have seen seems to have captured the spirit of that. And uh, I just I really hope we get to, although it's going to be a while since this series is not coming out until summer 2022. We are a ways away from any trailers or anything else, but I am looking forward to seeing besides just promotional art that leaked, uh, I, I really want to see a demonstration of Miss Marvel's powers in the MCU. Yeah, that was that was a little, little disappointing, I think, of all the series, because that, like you said, Sean, we this was supposed to come out like weeks from now, and basically, and it's not. And why is that? And you, obviously, they must be tweaking with, with stuff a lot. I, I think that that to me, what it seems like, I, I don't obviously I don't, maybe it's been confirmed because of different reasons. I don't know, but it seemed like to me that they're, they're maybe the powers level. They're trying to get better special effects. Like their mm. effects aren't done. That kind of thing is potentially. Well, is and what's I do going think on. it should be released closer to the Marvels. I really do. Like, I, I think it would, I be, agree. Yeah. It would be kind of a ways to have the series come out now. And then you have to wait a year or almost a whole year until you see the Marvels in February of 2023. So I do like the idea of kind of splitting the difference and and having the movie come out or not the movie, the series come out next summer, followed by the movie uh, the following February. So some of that proximity makes sense, but I, I don't think that's all of what's driving the decision. I'm sure effects and and everything, just the, the process of making it, I'm, I'm sure has gone on a little bit longer than maybe some thought. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that Miss Marvel, like you said, tone wise, completely nails the original like six, six issue, five issue run, whenever it was, and which is really good. I love that that initial run, and I I was very interested to see how the powers were going to be, you know, shown, and the the the, the or whatever the the promotional art got leaked, and I really dug the idea of what they're going with it. The whole idea of more of like a, not a green lantern, but like kind of the idea of she makes constructs that can extend her body, um, you know, into big giant fist and like have her, right. you know, you know, whatever. Like I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, and gives, it gives her a little bit different. Um, just, cause I always thought like the elastic characters minus Mr. Fantastic. So like I never was a huge fan of plastic man. Um, and you know, he's a funny character or whatever, but you know, the for me, I just it, it, it looks a little ridiculous at times, and I think for it with Miss Marvel, it kind of it it does kind of fit a, a teenage character, but like 
when you, as eventually as a character will age in the comic books a little bit, it just gets a little bit, I don't know. I just always compare it to like a very humorous book. And I don't know if Miss Marvel should always be like a, a primarily humor book. Right. And that's not how it is in the comic books, you know, early on anyway. So I do like the fact that now that they have, they have basically created an idea for this, these, this whole like big fist, which I think is kind of cool too, like big fist, you know, whatever, like make it constructs that she can create herself, which is really interesting. I think mm. that I hope honestly, they adapt that into the comic books too. I think that will make the character a lot more interesting visually as well in that standpoint. So yeah, I, I, I was disappointed that we didn't get an example of that. I think this trailer could have, they could have really wowed us a little bit to show us what she could do. But at the, at the same time, you know, because it's not coming out for a while, they want to save that for right. a, a in a real trailer. And I get that. I get that. But I, I like you, they should, because again, Disney plus day was kind of Disney bus day. You would have thought they want to give us a little bit more pizzazz, if you well, will. Just but, a uh, good shot of the yeah. costume, I think would yeah, have been exactly, enough, even yeah. if it wasn't getting into the powers and how that's going to look. Cause I understand like, if you want to do the big like power demonstration shot for a trailer that you save that for a trailer. And, and I get the idea of, well, you don't want to hype things too much too early and you want to pace yourself a bit. I get that, and, um, and and we'll talk more about you know differences between Miss Marvel's powers in the series versus in the comic books. Uh, we'll get into that more when we actually see a better demonstration of it. But um, in, as far as just what they were able to show us, yeah, a better look at her costume—not her Captain Marvel Halloween costume, but like her actual Miss Marvel costume—it would have been nice to get that on Disney Plus Day, and then they could save uh, other things to to wow us with in subsequent trailers and TV spots and, and all the stuff that we that we usually get. But what we have seen from Miss Marvel from the sneak peek last year to uh, the little bit in this Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day special, it just looks like they're they're achieving exactly what made those comic books feel so special and just bringing it uh, to audiences and through this the biggest vehicle that this character has had yet with a, a Disney Plus series. So I like what it's looking, how it's shaping up so far and, and just really looking forward to next summer. But hopefully it's not the next Disney Plus series because I don't want to wait until next summer for another Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. Uh, but very excited about Miss Marvel uh, when we finally get a chance to see it uh, sometime around the middle of next year. Now let's go through uh, the other announcements, which... You know, some of these, no footage, these are our, our title cards, some of which we've seen before, although they've been updated. Uh, we did get a new image of Nick Fury, which we will get to. But let's go through these announcements one by one. Uh, one of them was the uh, the official announcement. It had been reported in the trades a long time ago, but now we have an official announcement with logo art uh, for Echo, a series star, as Marvel Studios put in the official press release, Echo, a series starring Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez, who will be introduced in Hawkeye, and we did see her in the Hawkeye portion of the Disney Plus Day special from Marvel Studios. I'm not super familiar with Echo in the comic books. I mean, I've seen the character in the comic books, um, really more, I think, associated with Daredevil than Hawkeye, but um, I'm excited about this. I mean, I, I like the idea of it. I mean, it it makes me more excited to see this character in the Hawkeye series to think that, wow, the audience hasn't even seen this character and Marvel Studios is already thinking that that audiences are going to love her enough that they will want a spinoff and Marvel Studios is already in the process of making that. It's a huge vote of confidence in Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez as Echo. So it 
amplifies my excitement to see her in Hawkeye in just a couple weeks. And look, I'm I'm not going to say no to a Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. So I, I don't know how excited I am for this until I see the character in the Hawkeye Disney Plus series. But my guess is, because uh, Marvel is, is usually pretty good at identifying talent and knowing knowing when they need to elevate a character and, and elevate a performer as that character. And so if they believe in Alakwa Cox, I'm sure I'm going to as well uh, once I see her performance in Hawkeye. So, you know, TBD on exactly how excited I am for, for Echo, <laughs> but I'm guessing pretty excited. Well, Echo was one of those characters when I got back into comic books in the mid-2000s, um, I was, you know, put, given a... a she was in the the new uh, new Avengers series, and I she was eventually she turned out to be the Ronan character Ronan character excuse me that we all that was originally going to be Daredevil and she was introduced in Daredevil and did a lot of time there um, with uh, the I think the or um, did, did Bob Gale do that one oh God Bob Gale's comics Oof. Um, but yeah but Daredevil was introduced you know right after the Kevin Smith run of Daredevil and then Echo kind of kind of went back and forth and she hasn't done a lot um, as far as I can remember, you know, but she was, she was a prominent member of the new Avengers when Bendis and um, uh, that team took over, David Finch took over. And I, I really liked what she brought to the table. There was a very interesting idea of the idea that she was a, you know, again, that underground essence that you could really, you know, use that character. And she was an assassin that was kind of eventually, you know, brought over back as far as I can remember anyway. It's been a while. And I don't know the character super, super well, but I did like the character and what she brought to in the Avengers team. And we talked a lot, you know, previously, Sean, that like it feels like there's lots of different uh, like instead of having one main story in the Marvel Universe, we're going to be getting like multiple major stories. And and I almost start to even think with like the underground aspect, they're starting to really build that out. Again, we talked mm -hmm. about it with Hawkeye that I think Echo is going to be doing that. I know there's lots of rumors. I don't want to get into it, but like about what's in Echo potentially and what it can mean and whatever. Right. And. I, I do think that there's a lot of cool stuff you could introduce with this character. Um, you could really uh, do a proper use of the hand. I, I believe she has hand um, uh, ties, uh, the, the ninja organization that was in the Daredevil show. And so I, there is a lot of cool stuff you could do with this character. Um, I, I just, you know, again, at, without seeing Hawkeye, it's like you said, it's hard to see how excited we can get about this. But if we think that, Again, not ignoring the mate, the, the all those rumors online. I'm, again, I'm just being tread very lightly on there. But if if those aren't true, I, I am still excited for the aspect of what they could do because I think there's a lot of cool underground stuff they have not really done with the comics or in the movies yet with the comic books, like the Magia, um, all that stuff. Like you know, Roxxon Corporation, you know, and that whole thing. There's lots of really cool stuff you could do. I think the Echo, you could use a character like Echo and have other characters. I mean, heck, there's a, there's a character named Blindspot that I really like that Charles So inter, uh, introduced in the Daredevil. He was like a sidekick of Daredevil, basically. Mm -hmm. He's a great character. I think he'd be, uh, he's, a, uh, I believe, a Chinese, uh, uh, Asian-American man. And he's like super, like, just really interesting, like cool concept ideas. He could be introduced in the Echo series, potentially. Um, again, I have no idea. But it does make me think, like, if she's giving getting her own series, Sean, is she going to be an Avenger? She was an Avenger. Again, she was she had the Ronin costume. And I really love that. I think that'd be cool. She I took that Ronin costume and, and wore it in from the uh, Hawkeye War and, and made it in there. I know she – was it the uh, 
Haley Haley was being uh, Ronan for a while right. too, and, and so it would make sense then if it was a a, a a a moniker or a costume that's been passed on, and then she takes it on eventually. I wouldn't, I, you know, would not be surprised. It would make sense for me. So, think about those are all just interesting things. Interesting things to think about. Again, I don't know what they're going to do. There's no, I don't think she has a specific enemy. If it's not the hand, I'm pretty sure she has hand t- ties, but regardless, I think you use this to further, uh, bring in the aspects of like the criminal organizations of the Marvel universe. And I think with this character, you're talking about someone who starts maybe not on the side that we would want them to be on because in the footage we got from Hawkeye, like she is in pursuit of Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. So yeah. she's starting out against our heroes and we'll see where she ends up by the end of the series. But I mean, she is part of the ever expanding roster of young heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is one of the other tracks that appears to be uh, that we're moving uh, that we're moving on right now. I mean, we're on many different tracks going in many different directions, but one of them appears to be Young Avengers or champions, if you will. I know Paul, of course, prefers Young Avengers. Call the team whatever you want, but uh, and I'll again reiterate Paul's preference for Young Avengers, but there's, I feel like this is a character that could be part of that. There are so many now, as far as these young heroes being introduced, that you don't even need all of them to make the Young Avengers roster. I don't even know that they all could because of how many have been introduced and will be introduced, but there's another thing that could be Young Avengers-esque, or it could be a little more Thunderboltsy. I mean, Don't Call Her Val is putting together a team, and Florence Pugh as Yelena is reportedly appearing in this Hawkeye series, and of course we remember the tease that points in that direction from the post credit scene with Black Widow, and I could see the experience of Yelena being something that allows her to connect with Maya Lopez, and then maybe form a bond between those characters, and maybe they end up on the same team, which may it may or may not be a Thunderbolts type of thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or not just type of thing, but just flat out called Thunderbolts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's another angle that I could see them taking with this character. But as always, uh, getting way ahead of ourselves, we'll see what happens when we first meet this character in Hawkeye, but another reason to be even more excited about her MCU debut Marvel did share new title art for Ironheart, but that's it. Uh, we didn't really get any additional information on it. We know it's a series starring Dominic Thorne as Rory Williams, a genius inventor who creates the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. All of that is stuff we learned on Disney Plus Day or Disney Investor Day, excuse me, last year. No new updates from Disney Plus Day this year. We do know, however, that we will first meet Dominic Thorne in the MCU in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but that's pretty much it. So we don't have any additional information to really respond to for Ironheart. I'm just still very much looking forward to the series. Marvel also confirmed the, if officially with title art, the existence of the Agatha Harkness spinoff series from WandaVision. It is called Agatha House of Harkness, a series starring Katherine Hahn as her character from WandaVision. Jack Schaefer returns as executive producer and head writer. I love when stuff like this happens. And, you know, Marvel is uh, anticipating in advance something like this is going to happen with Echo. And that's why they already have a spinoff from Hawkeye. But going back to Catherine Hahn being announced as the nosy neighbor 
during D23 Expo in 2019, and then everything that we saw with her as Agnes and then Agatha throughout uh, WandaVision, where it this feels like a project that the audience just kind of willed into existence, which sometimes doesn't always work out. But in this instance, I think it's really going to. And I'm glad that Agatha is getting her own series because it's an, it's an excuse, if nothing else, uh, but a perfectly valid excuse with many great storytelling opportunities. But it gets the, it keeps this character involved. And maybe it means that she's good. Well, not maybe it definitely means we just don't know where she'll be popping up in other places. And we will Marvel will be expanding the role of this character throughout the MCU. But a series dedicated to Catherine Hahn, of whom I'm a huge fan. And then also with Jack Schaefer, who did such incredible work on WandaVision to be returning for this series. And I'll bet she'll probably bring back a lot of the writers from that WandaVision writers room to be a part of this. I think I'm I'm really glad this series is happening and I can't wait to know more. You know, I I like everyone. I loved, you know, Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness and. This is something I never dreamed of. You know, I, I tweeted this out a while ago, Sean, that uh, a picture from uh, the a Fantastic Four series that I read as a kid and Agatha Harkness was the babysitter of Franklin Richards. And it's like, you know, going back in time and saying, see, see uh, Franklin, Franklin's uh, babysitter. Yeah, she's going to become like a household name and become like have her own TV series. I'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so yeah. weird. And but, you know, I, I think it really shows you how diverse um, Marvel can be and how you just – and like how they're flexible and how like because the world is so fluid or in the world, the universe is so fluid. And again, that's what makes the comics so great is because the universe and the comic books is so fluid. It's ever-changing. You can you can adapt and, and, and change things on a dime because of the way the stories are told. The, serial, the serialized storytelling and how you know, you're know – and plus, again, they have the advantage of having the Marvel Universe already established from the comic books. They can say, take, a, take a series like Agatha Harkness and say, okay – Audiences love this character. There's there's obviously stuff you could do with her, but how can we take that and also bring other things we need to introduce in the Marvel Universe? I mean, obviously, WandaVision helped establish the, the th- different multiverses, the different kinds of magics in the you know universe and things like that. Like those are important things that you need to establish within um, this you know the cinematic universe, and that you know WandaVision did that, telling also telling a fantastic emotional tale from it. And, you know, that's the thing I think with Agatha Harkness you can do is really tell great stories with, and also, you know, with Catherine Hahn's character and that everyone loves, but also establishing and, and further pushing the universe in that realm of magic and mysticism, which I'm really excited about. Again, I, I love the character. I, I'm still, it's still bonkers. We're going to get this series and there's uh, definitely stories you could tell with the character, I think that within the comic books, but it's just, it's, it just shows you how, how Marvel can, can change things up and they, and they have no problem doing that. They can easily do it because they've got the plethora of stories to tell and things they need to introduce anyway. And when you have a charismatic actress like Catherine Hahn playing Agatha Harkness, it just, it, it's easy. It's an easy decision to say, just make her, make a series. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I, I didn't really need this series, but you know what? At the same time, like, or didn't think, didn't think I needed this series, I should say, but now I want it and now I can't wait to see it. It's just the latest example of Marvel Studios' incredible ability to elevate characters and, and turn them into mainstream pop culture icons and household names. That That's just not 
I mean, it's not even close to the way it was in the comic books where, I mean, a character like Agatha Harkness, yeah, comic book readers know who she is and, and many of whom like the character, enjoy the character and all that. But the way Marvel is taking some of these characters and making them so wildly popular that they get their own movies or they get their own Disney Plus series or prominent roles in some of the biggest movies of all time, like Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, it's just crazy the way that they can do that. And they don't have to rely on the the characters that are already established as the biggest names. They just over and over again find ways to get audiences to connect with these characters. And some of that is, of course, by design, but then there's also those things that happen. I mean, I'm sure they designed Agatha to be a very interesting character in WandaVision, but I don't know that when they may originally started writing the series that the idea was in their head that Agatha would definitely get her own show. But that's just the success, the creative success of the character within the series, but then also the way audiences responded to the character that's fueling all of this. And then, and I just, I absolutely love that. And it just shows how the possibilities for Marvel Studios, they really are limitless because things like this can happen. And a, a series that, as you put it, didn't necessarily know we needed or wanted can very quickly become a thing that gets announced and become one of our most anticipated MCU projects because now we've been introduced to this character and we know how great she is in this iteration, in this universe, in this franchise, and we just can't wait to see more and, and we'll be treated to it in Agatha House of Harkness. Now let's talk about Secret Invasion. We don't know that much more about the series than we did when it was originally announced almost a year ago at Disney Investor Day. The synopsis sounds pretty familiar. A series starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn as the scroll uh, as the scroll Talos, characters who first met in Captain Marvel. The crossover comic event series showcases a faction of shape-shifting scrolls who have been infiltrating Earth for years. Sounds like what we heard last year, but now we got an image of Nick Fury, presumably from this series, and it's a very different-looking Nick Fury. No eye patch and also a big gray beard for Nick Fury. So this this story seems to be taking place sometime well after his um, space vacation that we saw at the very end of Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't really know what this is, but I like this version of Nick Fury. I think Samuel L. Jackson looks great, minus the eye patch and, and with the huge beard. I don't know what this is about, but... It certainly tells me uh, right out the gate with just this one image that this is, I mean, Nick Fury is a pretty intense character and always has been, uh, but this looks like an even more intense and, and focused version of Nick Fury, who's maybe uh, more than just a little, uh, more than just a little annoyed with whatever he's discovering with this secret invasion of scrolls who've been around for years. The first thing I thought when they showed that clip was he's doing that because of if there's secret invasion means that there's a lot of impersonations that he's doing that when they maybe don't know that he looks like that. And that's mm. why he has that look. That's the first thing I thought was like, that's it for him to know and like to show people that this is the legit Nick Fury. So that was my first indication of that, uh, that scene. So yeah, secret evasion is probably like one of my most least like <laughs> things I'm looking forward to. I mean, besides, uh, 
Amelia Clark, who I, I freaking love her. Um, you know, I'm glad she's coming into uh, the Marvel universe and things like that. I'm just not as excited about this. And admittedly, I'm just not a big scroll person. And I've, I've said that before. Shape shifting things are just n- not my cup of tea. And I'm just in like, let's get the series over with. I I love Samuel Jackson though. I'll watch anything he's in pretty much. So that's I mean, that's obviously Marvel too. But I mean, I he's in it and makes it definitely and obviously. Um, Ben Mendelsohn is going to be fun. I like Talos from Captain Marvel. So there are things about it I'm going to be enjoying, but yeah, I'm not super excited about this series, particularly just because of, of scrolls, not a big scroll guy. So we'll see. I mean, I, I did, this was interesting. I, I'll give you this. The in, image was cool and interesting and, and unexpected of the look of Fury. So that was cool. I'm in it for this series because of the interaction between between Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn as Fury and Talos. Uh, I really liked their back and forth and, and their dynamic in Captain Marvel. And I remember before we got the Secret Invasion announcement last year, not long before that were reports of Marvel developing a Nick Fury series or still developing a Nick Fury series because there's been reports about a Nick Fury series on Disney Plus for almost as long as there have been reports about Marvel Studios beginning to make series or developing series for Disney Plus well before the the service actually launched. But when we got the newer reports, I was just thinking, I hope that it has something. I, I really do hope that it's picking up off of where we saw things in Spider-Man Far From Home and that Talos is a big part of it because I think those two characters together and those two actors, Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn, it's just magic with those two. There's something about their chemistry that was apparent in Captain Marvel where I just knew I wanted to see more of that pairing. And so to have a series that focuses on that, it, it doesn't even have to be Secret Invasion. It's just, you know, it, it's fine that it is, and I'm excited that that's what it is. And and also, specifically with Secret Invasion, I'm glad that this is what Secret Invasion gets to be in the MCU. Like you, Paul, I'm not a huge fan of the event series, and I didn't really want it to be a major Avengers-level event movie in the MCU. Since they're doing it in this Disney Plus series, that suggests to me they're not going to do it as a major event, uh, Avengers-level event in the MCU. That makes me happy. I would rather see it in this smaller context and not necessarily being an all-encompassing thing across the Marvel Cinematic Universe or just all across Earth uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm glad it's not going to be that, it's going to be something smaller that focuses on a pairing of characters that I, I've really wanted to see more of. So all of this adds up uh, perfectly for me with uh, with Secret Invasion. So uh, no real indication of when it's coming out. We don't know if it's 2023 or maybe or we don't know. Maybe it's late 2022. It's in production now. So I suppose it's possible it could be out late next year or maybe it's going to be early 2023. We don't know because they didn't give us any sort of idea. Uh, What we do know we're supposed to get next year is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Unfortunately, we don't know any more than that uh, because we already know it's being written and directed by James Gunn. They're going to make it while they're shooting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is currently in production. But we don't know anything more about the series uh, after Disney Plus Day than we did going into it. The same goes for Armor Wars, which I don't even think made it into Disney's press release, but it was there. The logo was flashed during that Disney Plus Day special from Marvel Studios, but no additional details on it. So no additional details to talk about here. Um, And then let's go ahead and let's talk about, uh, well, they also, 
showed you know Loki getting a second season, which they confirmed with Loki uh, at the very end of the first season. They also made it official that we are going to get What If Season 2 with a little synopsis that reads, the second season of the fan-favorite animated series after enlisting the Guardians of the Multiverse to stop Infinity Ultron, the Watcher returns in Season 2 of What If to meet new heroes and explore more strange new worlds in the MCU's ever-expanding multiverse. Directed Woo. by executive producer Brian Andrews, with executive producer AC Bradley serving as head writer. So same creative team from the first season, which is great because despite uh, an episode or two, I, I didn't necessarily care for more on that in just a bit. Um, I still, oh, I really God. enjoyed what if, and I was very happy with the work of uh, AC Bradley and Brian Andrews as head writer and director respectively. The line that got my attention in this synopsis though, was the MCU's ever expanding multiverse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything, right? Because it, right. it could just be, well, we have a we have a multiverse that we established in the first season of What If, and that's all that we're really working with here. But between now and a second season of What If, we've got Spider-Man No Way Home seems to be up to some things. We've got Marvel Studios picking up where things left off in an animated X-Men timeline. We got a. We have a, an expanded, an expanding multiverse in the MCU, even outside of what if. And of course, to say nothing of Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, and on down the line. I really wonder what's going to happen here in this second season, and I feel like it's going to graduate from. And it sounds like, based on this synopsis, and I may mm. be reading too much into it, but it really sounds like this is graduating from. Here's the Infinity Saga presented in a different way. As, and really kind of charting more of its own course and really being able to go anywhere in the Marvel canon that they're allowed to explore between what Disney still owns versus what's licensed uh, to other places, although they've got pretty much everything back except Spider-Man at this point. Uh, but even Spider-Man gets to be part of it, so they can kind of go anywhere in What If Season 2 and maybe even start combining certain timelines that... Uh, you know, and, and blur the lines between even that 90s X-Men animated timeline and the mainstream mm. MCU. Those are the types of things they can do in a second season of What If. I don't know if they're going to, but that line about the ever-expanding multiverse kind of had me thinking about it. I, I think the end result, though, is that What If Season 2 has an opportunity. As much as I enjoyed the first season, I think What If Season 2 has a chance to be a lot better because it gets to go wherever it wants now. And it's not necessarily mm -hmm. about reframing events that have already unfolded in the MCU or presenting a, a different way things could have gone down. This really has an opportunity to move things forward in a way that maybe the first season didn't always get to. Yeah, and really quickly, I want to say I, I saw the assembled uh, special for What If, and I thought that was really good. Uh, yeah. I really liked it. And um, it was really cool to see, again, there... Their love for the original comics was evident there, and I I want to say you know if they by chance hear about this or listen to this episode they probably aren't but if they are I appreciate it and I thank you for that. Um, but uh, yeah no I I was really excited about this announcement too. I knew they it was loosely confirmed, but it was really great to get a, a real confirmation that this was coming back because I for one really like this. I like what I said before in, in the series, minus a couple episodes here or there, 
Um, I thought it was really cool, and I think it does really broaden things and expands things a lot more of the multiverse and the capabilities of the, uh, you know, the, of the Marvel universe. So I, I really do think that they, like you said, Sean, there's a lot they could open it up and go crazy with, and I think now, now that the rules have been established, they can kind of go crazy a little bit more, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, I'm I for one think this is going to be a, a better season overall, probably because now they've got a see what works what doesn't they can go forward and then go from there so yeah i i think what if is great i think it's even a little bit underrated in my opinion despite a couple flaws here there i thought the last couple episodes were fantastic so yeah i'm super stoked for the second season of what if as am i i don't have the same level excitement for the what if spinoff marvel zombies an animated series from Marvel Studios uh, that reimagines the Marvel Universe as a new generation of heroes battle against an ever-spreading zombie scourge, directed by executive producer Brian Andrews. So, same director from What If, season one and season two. Tip of the cap to everybody who DM'd me on Friday with this news. There were a number of you who reached out to me saying you thought of me immediately, which is very nice. I uh, thought of me immediately <laughs> when you saw the announcement for Marvel zombies, because in, uh, you know, the, the longstanding canon of MCU fan show, I was not a very big fan of the zombie episode of, of what if. So I can't say I am overly excited about this series. Cause I just don't really care that much about zombies in general. And I care even less about Marvel zombies. So this isn't really one for me, but it doesn't have to be. And I, I mm -hmm. love that there's so much coming out from Marvel Studios right now that not everything necessarily has to be aimed right at me or be the thing that I'm most excited about. I'm still going to watch it because it's part of the MCU and I will check it out. So I, I will still watch the series. Whether or not we do spoiler reviews will kind of depend on what else is going on. And also... If I don't like the series, I'm not going to force you to listen to me whining about it on a weekly basis. But we'll see what happens <laughs> when we see uh, when we get the full series of Marvel zombies. And you know what? Maybe it will be better than the zombie episode. I mean, it's not like the existence of zombies was my problem in the Marvel zombie what if episode. So maybe overall the execution of that series will be better uh, than I felt it was for that episode. So. Certainly not the thing that I'm most excited about, but I know it's something a lot of other people excited are excited about, so I'm happy for all of them. Yeah, I when I saw the confirmation of that, I was like, Ugh. I just don't, I don't see the appeal. It, that was one thing in this assembled thing where they're all raving. They could, they were really excited about Marvel Zombies and how that was a popular thing. I was like, no, 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 at least for me. But yeah, anyway, I, I, I don't, I, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm curious what they're gonna do with it for a series, but whatever uh, we'll we'll see what happens yeah we will and it, it's okay like it can't really disappoint me because i already kind of know or think i know what it is or don't have a, a ton of excitement it's not like i'm going to count on it for very much i'll put it that way but if right. it is any good at all then it'll be or if i like it at all then that'll just be a pleasant surprise and that's always fun so another exactly. series that uh was Repeated from an announcement last year was the I Am Groot series, a series of original shorts exploring baby Groot's glory days growing up and getting into trouble among the stars, uh, directed by Kirsten Lepore. Still don't know exactly what this is, but yes, it's baby Groot. And we know that there's a, a big gap there between the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 
and the mid credit one of the many mid credit scenes of that film where we catch up with adolescent Groot, um, who was there in, uh, of course, Infinity War and uh, Endgame, and then we'll see the state of Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. But um, sure, uh, a baby Groot series of shorts sounds fun. Looking forward to it. It, it certainly won't be a thing I. It's not like it's going to be the the type of thing where I don't. I mean, they're shorts. I don't even know that we can do full on spoiler reviews here on MCU Fan Show. Maybe get squeezed into whatever else we're talking about in a given week. Um, but I like Baby Groot as as pretty much everybody does. So yeah, those those shorts should be fun. Interested to hear your thoughts, Paul, on Spider Man Freshman Year, an animated mm. series that follows Peter Parker on his way to becoming Spider Man in the MCU with a journey unlike we've ever seen and a style that celebrates the character's early comic book roots. Executive producer Jeff Trammell serves as head writer. When I first saw this artwork, because that's kind of all we had, was a tweet with the, well, not title art. Uh, (laughs) We saw that tweet, and I was like, well, that kind of looks like the notebooks from the, you know, the scribble pages from, like, the the credits of Spider-Man Homecoming before the mid-credits scene, the main titles for Spider-Man Homecoming. So I'm like, is that MCU canon? You couldn't really tell right away, but then when I saw the description of it, I was like, oh, this is MCU canon. And this might end up being the first animated series that's directly in the prime MCU timeline or sacred timeline, because we know that What If is alternate timelines in the multiverse. Marvel Zombies is one of those alternate timelines. And I, and I don't know if the Baby Group series maybe will count as being animated. We'll, we'll have to see when we actually see it. Um, but yeah, this might, the Spider-Man Freshman Year series, interesting to see animation being able to go back and kind of fill a gap in the story that they would never make a movie about because they're not going to recast somebody to play a younger Tom Holland with Peter Parker as a freshman in high school. So it makes sense uh, that they would use, if there's going to be a gap here, that they would use animation to fill it. When we say on his way to becoming Spider-Man, I mean, there has to be a limit on this. I mean, he was Spider-Man for about six months before Tony caught up with him in Captain America Civil War. And it's not going to be a super interesting series that's going to hold our attention for a long time, or at least it's probably not going to be. And maybe I'll be proven wrong if it's about Peter Parker and he never gets his powers. So I think there are a couple things to be excited about. One is this will probably be, as many have, uh, have, I think, correctly guessed, our chance to see Uncle Ben in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's also going to be, I think, an opportunity for us to see eventually in the series Peter Parker's earliest adventures with his homemade Spider-Man costume. So I I think this is a a great project to lean into for animation. And I wonder, though, if they're going to be able to get Tom Holland to do the voice here or if it's going to be the person who, you know, either the same person or another sound-alike voice performance uh, like they did for the like they did for what if, but uh, I don't know. I'm excited about Spider-Man freshman year though, and if we get to see more scenes of Spider-Man in that super cool homemade costume, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I thought this was not related to the MCU. It was just going to be another uh, Disney animated show, Sean. Because um, if you don't remember that that early Disney uh, uh, Plus show for animated series, whatever. Uh, was not did not look good, and so I was like, okay, this is them trying to basically like refigure that out again, and I just found out just literally, literally just now that this was actually going to be MCU canon. We're going to have to see this the early years. Like I had no idea. Like this is how bad of Disney Plus, day. right? 
Like I, it's totally, I missed this completely. Um, and no one told me I've, I, you know, I think not, not your fault, obviously, Sean, but it's just like, how is that possible? Like, this is crazy. I, but you I, should know I that. Like it's not, and I don't say you should know that as in like you messed up that you don't know it. Right. It, it should be apparent in the information that they share. And that was because yeah. I didn't know it for sure until I read the press release that I got that showed the little description or synopses from these various projects. That was where I found out that it was going to be part of the MCU. I couldn't tell that just based on what they tweeted about it and just based on the artwork. And that's mm-hmm. where we, when we talk about the execution, there was a whole other reason to be excited about the existence of this series, but you wouldn't know because I'm looking at the tweet from Marvel Studios right now, where it just says Marvel Studios Spider-Man freshman year, an animated original series coming soon to Disney+. Plus. That's it. It doesn't say that it's part of the MCU. And just because it says Marvel Studios Spider-Man freshman year, that doesn't tell us that it's going to be part of the MCU because we also have, as we'll talk about in a moment, Marvel Studios X-Men 97, which is definitely not part of the main MCU timeline. Mm-hmm. So there was no way for us to know for sure that this was part of the primary MCU timeline until we saw the synopsis. And you shouldn't have to hope that your audience that you're trying to market this to is going to see the artwork on Twitter, see the artwork on the Marvel Studios Disney Plus Day special on Disney Plus when they watch it, and then hopefully go somewhere else and check in and read about and confirm that this is part of the MCU, which is a huge part of the appeal for a series like this is that it is connected to this massive story that everybody loves so much. That's a key piece of information for this series that wasn't really there right where it should have been to be easily accessible to the audience that was uh, tuning in on Disney plus day. So that's, that's a whiff on their part. Yeah. Thank you. I I had no idea. So all that said, I, I'm actually really excited now. Um, I, I'm curious how long this series is going to be, and to be honest, and I don't know what because again, like how how long was he Spider Man, and he can't really fight too many like supervillains, I guess. I, I, I don't really I, think he's fought any. I mean, at, at this point, yeah, maybe we'll yeah, find exactly. out that there was one who was. I think for the sake of making the series more appealing, is they will go ahead and they'll give him one or two. B at the most, but maybe C level Spider-Man villains who they're just they have little to no plans of ever bringing into live action. But let's have him deal with this because it's a little bit better than just random muggers all the time. Like, let's give him something with a a, a little sure. bit stronger. But you you also can't take away from him being in over his head with the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. So there is a line that they have to kind of they they have to toe that line. He can't it can't be to the point where. Well, he's already handled like six major villains like Vulture should have mm-hmm. been no problem in Spider-Man Homecoming. So they still got to be pretty, pretty lower tier, but at least maybe more recognizable Spider-Man villains. Yeah. And that's where I'm kind of how. Yeah. Like you said, perfectly. He, he was in over his head with the Vulture. How many of those people does he face, if any? And like how. So my thing is, it's going to be a mini series, basically, because you're not going to be able. You can't tell the stories forever. So it feels like it's going to be maybe like a one. If, it, if they announce it's going to be basically a one series uh, or one season thing, 
I, I'll be more interested or not interested. I'm interested, but like I'd be more understanding of where they're going with it. But if they're just kind of le- leaving it like there's a new series and it open ended, it's like it's gotta you can't be a freshman forever. So no, you know, no. and you can't. But I, the one thing we're finally we can finally put to put to rest now, which I'm really excited about, Sean, is having to hear about there's no Uncle Ben in the MCU. He's just Iron Man Junior. Yeah, but the people who complain about that are still going to complain, and they're going to complain that Uncle Ben only got used in animated form in a fill-in sort of animated series, as opposed to like legitimately not legitimately because the animation is part of the canon. It's legitimate. But being part of the live action MCU, and they're still going to say didn't have enough of a uh, a presence in the MCU. And if that's how you feel, fine. Just doesn't bother me with what we've had presented in the MCU. And I, I like that we will get a chance to see Peter's relationship with Uncle Ben in this series. And I agree with you; it, it has to be finite. But I think it's intended to be. I, I definitely think this is a limited okay. series. Maybe it's more than one season. I don't think it would be more than two if it happens to be more than one because you do need to, like people are going to want to see Spider-Man in the show called Spider-Man Freshman Year. It's not called Peter Parker Freshman Year. So I think that with that in mind, like we are going to see the, the Spider-Man process. And I'm not saying he becomes Spider-Man in the very first episode. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But over the course of the series... We're going to see him get bit by the spider. We're going to see the other things that were kind of teased in uh, the, the things that were teased in cat or referred to in Captain America Civil War, like, of course, uh, Uncle Ben, as well as, you know, hit what made him his whole kind of great power, great responsibility work around that he was kind of explaining to Tony Stark when they first met in Captain America Civil War, inventing his webs because uh, he talks he's spoken about how he made them, so inventing them and uh, coming up with his costume, as well as, you know, some of the the early social media coverage of Spider-Man uh, that was going on in those first six months. So I think that's what we're going to be dealing with in the series. And I think that's all really great stuff. And I think that this is Marvel Studios picking a great spot. I think you want to be careful in not using animation to fill every single blank in the canon because you never know which ones you might want to go back to at different points in time and leave yourself some gaps, uh, leave yourself some room to explore in live action movies, in live action series uh, that, of course, uh, get a lot more attention and usually end up making more money than things that are in animated form. So you don't want to fill in every blank, but you should be able to pick some spots where you just know you're not going to go back there. And they're not going to go back to Peter Parker's freshman year because, again, you have Tom Holland. You're not going to uh, he already looks too old to be. I mean, he still looks super young to me, but he's still he's too old to be playing a freshman in high school at this point. You would have bought that in Captain America Civil War. You're not going to buy that anymore. So that time is done. And like they're not going to like DH Tom Holland. That would just be insane. So uh, like they have with other actors. So you're not going to go back in that to, to cover that ground in live action, but there's still a lot of fun to be had there. So here's animation and you go do it. So uh, I'm excited about them making that choice. And it has me wondering about other choices they might be able to make for animated series in that sacred MCU timeline. And I'm not going to start guessing what those are, but I'm sure they will find more spots uh, like they have here for Spider-Man freshman year. 
The last announcement that we will talk about, we're still going to talk about the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness stuff, but the last announcement from Marvel-related announcement from Disney Plus Day was actually the first thing that they announced on Disney Plus Day. It's been rumored for a long time, reported on for a long time, that uh, with the 90s X-Men animated series that debuted in 92, that they were going to have that going again, that there would be a revival on Disney+. Plus. It's been talked about for as long as we knew that we were getting that X-Men, that original X-Men animated series on Disney+. Plus. There's been thought that there would be this revival, and it was a matter of when, not if. And now we know it for sure is a matter of when and not if. X-Men 97 was announced with a synopsis that reads, an animated series from Marvel Studios that explores new stories in the iconic 90s timeline of the original series. Bo DeMeo is executive producer and head writer. And it sounds like from some of the folks working on the series that uh, we're not going to see this until 2023. So we will have to be very patient for this. But uh, I'm happy to be patient for it. It's not like it's something I need to see right this second because there are plenty of other like I'm very excited about watching Hawkeye in a couple weeks so I'm okay to wait a little while for this series I'm just thrilled that it's happening the 90s X-Men animated series was a huge part of my evolution my journey as a Marvel fan as a superhero fan and I mean I remember watching it the Saturday that it premiered and just being so in love with the series. And of course, one of my most anticipated episodes was uh, several weeks into that initial run because my favorite X-Men villain was always Juggernaut. And so when I got to the Juggernaut episode, I was uh, understandably thrilled by that. But I've always been, uh, I've always loved this series and the nostalgia of that coming back uh, is a huge part of it. But also just the storytelling opportunities here. I really liked this series and I thought the storytelling in it was great. And this gives me a reason. I've I've already revisited some of my favorite episodes for the series, but this is definitely going to inspire me to go back and do a full series rewatch to get ready for the arrival of X-Men 97. And I like that Marvel Studios kind of clarified this. They're not trying to immediately merge this into the main MCU timeline. It is the timeline of the original series, but with all the multiverse stuff going around, we may find out that this is indeed part of the multiverse uh, at, one, at least one of the timelines within the multiverse that the prime MCU sacred timeline is also a part of, but very excited about X-Men 97. I'm so glad this is actually happening, that it's actually real. Yeah, this was, I've, I've heard like, you know, rumors of this series being announced or there a revival or whatever. And I, it's funny enough, I never finished the series. I, I watched up to, like, I think season th- four or three and then I just kind of I lost it a little bit there. I know how it kind of ends with Jubilee's uh, graduation and how it continues from there. And thinking about all the stuff that's happened after that in the comic books and how it just make, my, make, start, starts making my head hurt thinking about it all because, oh, God, um, it is, this is, you know, the simplifying the X-Men is going to be, a, you know, a, a, a fun. It's a fun thing because that's what I love. That is my core X-Men was, is that team, um, basically that, that, that blue team, if you will, that took some from members from team gold and sprinkled them in there. And you got this again, they, it's still probably the best adaptation of the dark, the, the dark Phoenix saga of all time, which is they did a phenomenal job of that, which was basically do what the comics did just just tweet things here or there. And that was it. Stay out of the way. And mm-hmm. the, the movies just could not emulate that whatsoever. Nope. No, we know better. We know better. Yeah, you do. Uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, uh, 
that's kind of cool that we're going to get this. And that kind of cool. I think it's awesome. I, I love it. And I can't wait to see more of what they're going to do. And, and just, you know, how, again, because one of the, what, the strength of the animated series was they adapted things beautifully. And with all the craziness that's going on, how do they incorporate everything? And what are they going to incorporate? That's what to me is really exciting. Because, like, again, it's it's bonkers what's going on in X-Men right now in just the last, like, 20 years since they, you know, or not 20 years since it's, it's off the air. But whenever it came off the air, a lot's happened. So what's going to happen? Who knows? But I'm excited re- regardless. I am just beyond thrilled about the existence of this. And. You know, I know there's kind of a, a Batman the Animated Series revival with Cape Crusader that they're doing for HBO Max, and I don't know how much of that it's going to really be the true you know, BTAS timeline versus its own thing, but it's kind of going back to that vibe, and I love that that's happening. I also love uh, that they're doing this with X-Men, and it's not just the nostalgia of this is what I loved when I was a kid, so please bring it back and give me more of it as an adult. Sure, I mean, there's always a little bit of that, but it's really just more about the quality of the storytelling. Like those series have held up over time. It's not like I just enjoyed them as a kid and then never went back to it. I've revisited episodes of Batman, the animated series of the X-Men animated series from the nineties. That was some of the best superhero storytelling. That was a huge part Mm -hmm. of what kept me engaged and attached to it as a fan. And that was just part of the routine is watching X-Men on Saturday mornings, going to the comic shop, buying X-Men books and reading more about it. And those two things just fuel each other and reading comic books, getting more excited, getting me more excited about what was coming up on the series and what characters from the comic books that I might see in the series. And all of those things just kind of fed into each other to really elevate and expand my fandom. And, and I love that X-Men 97 gets an opportunity to expand on that and continue this story that was, uh, or this series that was a lot of really good X-Men stories. And it's going to be worked on by people who are obviously huge fans uh, like we are, but also have the talent to deliver some really great stories and, and honor uh, this, the honor the original series with this continuation in X-Men 97. And yeah, with the ever-expanding, ever-expanding multiverse uh, provided by What If?, it's not outside the realm of possibility at all to have some of these characters cross over with other animated versions of MCU or MCU-esque characters from uh, the What If timeline or timelines in the multiverse. So um, very excited about X-Men 97, but also the other places where some of those characters may eventually pop up. But that's me once again, getting way too far ahead of myself, just X-Men 97 the reaction to that easily, I mean, I think this was the the biggest announcement, or at least from a Marvel perspective, the biggest announcement on Disney Plus Day that I saw really have, really pack a punch for people. Like, that made an impact. And then, unfortunately, that was the first announcement. It was all kind of downhill from there, uh, thanks, by and large, to the presentation or lack thereof on Disney Plus Day. Uh, and then, of course, maybe the lack of other new information aside from this. But this piece of new information uh, was really, really great and uh, an obvious highlight of Disney Plus Day. Now, before we talk about uh, Multiverse of Madness, Paul, I want to talk to you a little bit about IMAX Enhanced because that was also part of Disney Plus Day. It was announced ahead of Disney Plus Day, and it was supposed to start on Disney Plus Day, but actually started a day early. But now we have, by default, and you can get the, if you want the original uh, HD versions, if you want the original aspect ratio of the Marvel movies, 
on Disney Plus. You can still get that, but the main one for 13 movies, including Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, it is the expanded IMAX aspect ratio. And I'm I, I love this news because I've it's something that I think a lot of Marvel fans have wanted for Marvel home releases, especially since they've had movies with scenes that had the expanded IMAX aspect ratio. It never made it into the home release of any Marvel movies. And now we have these 13 and I'm sure and counting, they will add more over time, especially I, I'm, I would presume at this point that every new Marvel Studios movie is going to have this IMAX enhanced mode when it arrives on Disney Plus. And I checked it out for I watched the opening scene of Avengers Infinity War, and it just looked great in IMAX enhanced mode. So um, I'm I'm all about it. I know there's a lot of people complaining that it should have been on physical media a long time ago. I don't disagree with that at all. And uh, for those who say, well, it should be on physical media now. I don't disagree with that, but I also understand why Disney is not going to do that and keep it exclusive to the streaming service that they want everyone to subscribe to. So from a business standpoint, it makes sense for Disney, makes sense for IMAX. And uh, as a fan, it's a great way to go back and rewatch a lot of these movies. Yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people who is not stoked that they uh, they did this in front of the regular physical releases. And I, for one, I'm just like, well... I think they'll I think they'll eventually be released on on physical media at some point at some time. It's it's just you're leaving money on the table. Again, it's not like I'm necessarily not leaving like millions of dollars on the table, but they're leaving money on the table eventually. And when things when Disney Plus eventually, and again, it could be a while, but when Disney Plus eventually like kind of levels out or they kind of figure out what's going on, what the what the uh, what the ceiling is, I think we'll see more of the stuff released and special releases. And and let's be real too. I mean, Disney's is is no is is not uh, uh, uncommon for them to put things in the quote unquote the vault and away forever and have you know release things in collections and things like that. So I think that's a possibility years down the line. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know if I. It makes me excited to go put these on the, on streaming services because, again, my internet is very shoddy at times because I live right by an airport, so it's not always great. And I just streaming is not reliable for me, and I'd rather watch a very a, a clear, more precise, uh, physical copy of something that even though the aspect ratio may not be the the same. But the overall picture of quality will be better um, by watching physical. So I'm going to stick with that until it hopefully eventually comes on uh, on physical media. If it doesn't, then oh, oh well. But like it's, you know, for me, like I just I really, I really do hope it comes out. But it's, those things don't make the movie like, for instance, like if Dune. I think Dune really uh, takes the aspect ratio and really utilizes it to, a, I think, a really artistic level and a, and, a, and a great theatrical level that I would I would maybe if that was if you reverse that it was for Dune, I would maybe consider that. But for, you know, for Marvel films, there's some great scenes in, in IMAX, but it doesn't. I don't really attach those things as IMAX films, if that makes any sense. And not saying they're bad, but or bad films in IMAX, bad filmed in IMAX, or whatever. But I just don't associate it with that. So it's I don't really have that same passion to see it in like that aspect ratio. But but yeah, that's just me. Well, there are some where it doesn't make sense, or there's one where it really doesn't make sense, and that's Iron Man because Iron Man came out two months before The Dark Knight made IMAX all the rage for superhero movies and modern blockbusters. Like there was. Right. Because The Dark Knight was the first movie, the first narrative film to actually film with IMAX film cameras. And that's not what has ever been utilized for Marvel movies. It's digital. But 
as far as that goes, I mean, look, Infinity War and Endgame looked great in IMAX, and they were filmed for the IMAX aspect ratio from the jump. And so those are the two movies where I think IMAX enhanced mode is going to deliver best on Disney+. And so that's why I mean immediately I haven't had time to watch an entire Marvel movie, but I wanted to check out a little bit of it. So I just watched the opening scene in Infinity War and it looked great. And I presume it will look great watching like the final battle in Avengers Endgame. And some of the bigger action set pieces from movies like Shang-Chi or Black Widow. So there will be times where it's going to look really, really awesome. But for a movie like Iron Man that was never really built for the IMAX aspect ratio in the first place, I might just switch to the regular version of that movie. I mean, maybe watch the IMAX aspect ratio once just to check it out, but that would kind of be it. So it's it's really, I think it's going to be better in the more modern MCU movies and everything that comes out going forward is where IMAX uh, enhanced mode will be utilized best on Disney+. Plus, But it's a smart thing to have on Disney+. Plus. It's not an exclusive relationship between Disney and IMAX, so other streaming platforms, they could have this if they wanted it whether that's Netflix or, as you said, with Dune, that would require uh, HBO Max, Warner. They would have to go ahead and do something like this. Although, considering how much of their library uh, is not in 4K or Dolby Vision or Dolby Atmos on HBO Max, uh, that could be, I don't know, that they're going to jump into it and and deliver something like this for Dune or other projects. But I kind of hope they do, and uh, I I hope that it is kind of the start of a trend and maybe we'll see them circle back and deliver some of these things on physical media. I don't have a whole lot of hope for that. Um, I don't even I think there's an overwhelming demand from most consumers to have that happen. There are just some who would appreciate it. But I, I would, I think it makes sense for, if nothing else, like a limited edition MCU box set with IMAX enhanced. That makes sense to me. But I could see, and that's kind of the only way I could see Disney going with an IMAX enhanced mode on their physical release. Uh, if they ever do. Um, but yeah, sure. I, I hope they do. But for right now, it's good enough. My internet's good enough to for me to be able to have it look pretty good on uh, on Disney+. Plus. Let's finish up, Paul, by talking about, as promised at the top of the show, Doctor right. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and how there are, shockingly, reshoots and additional photography on a Marvel movie. This is unheard of, except for like the 25, 26, 27 other times it's happened. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, this this seems very unfamiliar to me that we would have <laughs> reshoots and additional photography on, on a Marvel movie. It must be a sign of trouble, right? I don't really know. The Hollywood Reporter seems to feel that way with an article that they posted on Friday that it almost felt like kicking Disney when they're down. Like you had the disappointment of Disney Plus Day and a lot of people complaining about it or just expressing their frustration over the event. And then the Hollywood Reporter drops this article of, oh, by the way, Things aren't going so hot with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm here to say that as far as I'm looking at it, the existence of reshoots and additional photography for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is indicative of nothing. It doesn't tell us anything about the movie as a positive sign or a negative sign. The odds mm-hmm. of Doctor Strange being uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness being any better or worse are not really affected by the existence of additional photography and reshoots. It is part of the normal planned process for Marvel Studios, and we have no way of knowing if there's any specific exception to this round of reshoots and additional photography. They mentioned in the Hollywood Reporter article that 
They're going to be working on it from now through the end of the year, and they're going to be working six days a week. And so that's, you know, adding extra weeks if you account for those six days of just how much they have to do in order to complete additional photography and reshoots. And so you look at that and maybe it makes you think this is why the movie was pushed from uh, that. It was pushed from March to May. Possibly uh, it's possible that that played a factor into it, but I would also point out that do you guys realize that they put out movies like infinity war and Endgame in late April of their respective release years. And they were doing reshoots and additional photography in January and February of those release years. So the turnaround for stuff that you do for additional photography and reshoots, it's much, much faster than when you're doing principal photography. So I don't even know that this is really the cause of the push for the film. And really, it could have been a lot of things of pushing the movie because of delays in other movies in the schedule, like we know for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, while Letitia Wright has to heal from her injury, they actually have to stop production on that because they filmed everything they can without her, and now they have to wait for her to come back. But for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, even in the Hollywood Reporter's own article, there was an insider who told them that this isn't even the biggest reshoot or additional photography thing that they've done for an MCU movie, whoever that source was. So I don't see anything here that is indicative of anything other than the normal process. That's not me saying everything is fine with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, because I don't know. But this, these reshoots and additional photography don't give me any sort of indication that there is trouble here with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So if we're trying to use this to start forming a narrative around what the quality of this movie is going to be, we can't or we shouldn't because it really doesn't tell us anything. Yeah, I the one thing I will say, it, it said extensive reshoots. And, I, and I've heard, like, again, I'm not sure how reliable these things are, but it seemed like there was a lot of um, things in flux with things changing and whatnot. So what I think is interesting is that that article does kind of line up with some things that I've, I've heard for, through random other areas and again i don't like you i don't think things are in trouble because i think what's happening is the core story is there and a lot of the main stuff is there but i think what we're getting reshoots of is probably the the basic boring stuff of like yeah the lighting's not very good on this or this doesn't really need to punch this up whatever right but also maybe potentially of what where things are going with Again, Loki season one and two, the success of WandaVision, those things might have played a part in in these things too. I mean, in story structure and what they want to add and whatnot. So I think there's, I don't know if I, I would say this is like in deadly trouble because Sam Raimi was brought on board. The film was already delayed because of COVID. So there's already a, ways for them to really um, go through everything and say, Hey, this is a, uh, you know, we, we let's tighten this up, whatever. So I, I think if anything, it's just more of just like, Hey, we got this time already. Let's redo some things. Let's reshoot this. But I think the, the essence and the store, the core stories are all there. They're not going anywhere. So that's where I kind of go with it. Sure. Like you, Sean, like you, Sean, I'm not, I don't look at this like, Oh my God, you know, this is insane, you know? Right. But again, right. but, but at the same time, I didn't think reshoots were that big of a deal for Rogue One, and then I found out later on that, that they were like humongous reshoots. Like they're like big, big, big deal reshoots. So it remains to be seen uh, what happens. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm not alarmed by this. I, I trust Marvel Studios and I trust Sam Raimi a lot. So right. if they're all in this, yeah, I'm good. Well, if they're doing it through the end of the year, that's like six weeks. 
you can't right. remake a Marvel movie in six weeks. You just can't. These movies are shot over the course of several months. So even when you're working a sixth day each week, it's highly unlikely you're going to be able to overhaul the movie that much. And three to six weeks is pretty standard for additional photography and reshoots on Marvel movies. So I don't really think that's where, you know, that it's that big of a deal. And also, are these six weeks like actual shoot weeks? Or are you talk, Are you including prep and strike time? Or are you including the time to actually get things set up to actually film? Like how much of this is actual shoot days for uh, the reshoots and additional photography? I don't know if when The Hollywood Reporter is uh, reporting all this information that it's based on that or it's just based on the, if it's based specifically on shoot days or if it's based on just the overall uh, the overall production of getting all of these things set up. But you mentioned the delay for COVID, and this is something that I haven't seen people talk about that much, but it is true just within the industry that there are some things that people are going back, whether it's for television or movies, that they're going back and reshooting because there are things you there are scenes you could shoot today or reshoot today if you wanted to do them over that you would not have been allowed to do a year mm -hmm. ago because of COVID protocols. And they have evolved since late last year and early this year when Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was undergoing principal photography. And remember, they were impacted by shutdowns where they were filming it in England multiple times over the course of their production. So there were probably some things that they didn't get to do that they really wanted to over the course of uh, the original production period. So that may also be a factor where it's not so much a sign of trouble, like they this movie is broken and they don't know how to fix it and they're just gonna shoot, they're just gonna scramble and shoot as much as they can to try and come up with things that will make this movie better. It can still be very, very targeted of what they're trying to get and make this the best movie that it could be. And that's really all that it's at right now. Reshoots, additional photography, this is about plussing the movie. This is about delivering the best film that they can possibly make with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that commitment to quality, because not everybody used extra time to remake their movie or reshoot parts of their movie that were confusing or just plainly didn't work, looking at you, Wonder Woman 1984. So I like that Marvel Studios is taking this time to make this movie the best that it can, as they always do. Does it mean that Multiverse of Madness is going to be an unbelievably great movie like we hope it will be? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's any that there's a, a major sign of trouble here. We just won't know, shockingly, until we get to sit down and watch the movie and decide for ourselves. But I don't really see a sign of trouble here. I just see a process that Marvel Studios always employs uh, popping up again, as it always does. Uh, so that's all I see it as for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for now. And then we will await the final product. But that is the end of this episode of MCU Fan Show. Thank you Woo! all so very much for tuning in. There will be plenty more Disney Plus Day coverage, as much as I can spare or come up with, uh, for the non-Marvel stuff and the lack of Star Wars stuff. That'll be addressed on Fan Show Plus, so make sure you check that out. And again, you can find it via patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you just search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe there and gain access to the premium Fan Show Plus podcast. And then make sure you follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at 
Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please follow my new uh, online webcomic, uh, Space Demons. It is on Webtoons. Again, search Space Demons. You will see it. And uh, thank you for anyone who has gone on there already and said anything or liked anything. I really appreciate everyone. And also the Comic Binge YouTube channel. Um, we announced we announced a comic last week. So uh, I got together with the artist and the letterer. Um, we all talked about stuff. It was great. And I'm hoping to have some more fun episodes here. I'm hoping in a couple of weeks we'll have a, an Eternals required reading session, which would be really great with Alex Grand from Comic Book Historians. So look for that here in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, other episodes should be dropping. And uh, follow my uh, Star Wars podcast, The Soccer Continues, with, Ty- uh, with Kyler. Ty- Kyle and Tim. Uh, check us out on there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>